Good morning, everybody, and welcome. Vancouver Eastside Vineyard and everyone who's joining us uh, at home, abroad, uh, even at another time. Uh, this is coming to you on Sunday, November the 8th, 2020, the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost in no continuing ordinary time. What a crazy time we're living in. What a crazy week it's been south of the border, and uh, the story isn't isn't over yet. And uh, the uh, uh, my heart's just grieving this morning as we've just had announced another lockdown, and we were so looking forward to being with our our grandchildren today, and we've had to put those plans on hold. But all, through it all, I trust that you're feeling held by God in this time, and today. I want to talk, uh, continue our series, uh, A Sacred Ecology, with today's topic, the ecology of justice. Now, what do I mean by the ecology of justice? Well, I think a little parable uh, might help. Imagine having a housemate from hell. Uh, <laughs> imagine sharing a housemate. Maybe some of you experienced this and hopefully you haven't been that. Um, but you, you share a, a, a house with someone who uh, you obviously share space, you share common areas, you share bathrooms, kitchens. Of course you have your own bedrooms as well. But this housemate is just uh, so wasteful and they love to bring in take out food and eat at home and they only ate half of it and left the rest to lay around the house rotting in the common areas and and they bring in these unrecyclable packaging that they just leave lying around the house and then they take up even worse they begin to take up just discarding some of those uh, waste products in your room just because they're too lazy to take it out and um, that, to me, is a description of our planet because we all share this planet. We're all housemates with every human being and, and indeed every living thing on the face of the earth. We share the water. We share the land. We share the air that we breathe and the resources. And we, have you ever been called weird? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you weird today. And we're all, probably most of us in this, and I include myself in this, are weird. And weird is an acronym to stand for Western, Educated, Industrialized, Rich. And I know some of us don't feel very rich, but compared to most of the world, we are. And Democratic, Weird. And we have not been as weird people, good housemates to the most poor and disenfranchised people on the face of the earth. Um, through our consumption and our wastefulness in the West, uh, we have seen uh, negative impacts on the most marginalized in the world, which prompted uh, Pope Francis to say, in his latest encyclical that came out, Laudato Si, which means praise be to you. And by the way, the subtitle is On Care for Our Common Home. So he, he uses that language. And he talks about the cry of the earth is the cry of the poor. The cry of the earth is the cry of the poor. So for example, Africa, which accounts 
for less than 3% of all greenhouse gas emissions in the world suffers the most due to extreme weather and drought with devastating impacts on crops and food supply because we've been bad housemates through our consumption here in the West. One third of our food is discarded, is thrown away. And the encyclical goes on to say to throw out food is to steal from the table of the poor. So we can see that creation care is not some just uh, hip, fancy trend, that it's a, it's a, it's a, not only a stewardship issue, it's a justice issue. And according to our text today from the book of Amos, God cries out, take away your songs. Uh, I will not listen to the melody of your instruments, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a, a never-failing stream. And that text taken by Martin Luther King in his famous I Have a Dream speech, it's, it's God crying out that our songs of worship mean nothing if we're not doing justice. And of course, Martin Luther King was talking about Sunday morning where people would come and sing, and yet it was the most segregated hour in America. And I totally validate and agree with his interpretation of that. But I want to add another spin today that our, our consumption and our lack of care for the earth is also uh, a social justice issue that God is crying out for and saying that our songs can never substitute for stewardship and care of our common home. For a number of years, I had a neighbor next door who, who had on her bumper sticker on her car that said, no one is truly free while others are oppressed. And it was kind of a way of, of, of affirming shalom, that reality that we've been created with this interdependency and that for one, uh, my flourishing is bound up with the flourishing of everyone. And yet we have neighbors in our world who are eating out of garbage dumps. In Haiti, they eat the very mud from the earth just to survive because of deforestation and monocropping from the colonial era. In California, raging forest fires. Uh, for successive years that we've seen, the, the people who've borne the brunt of that have been the poor uh, farm workers who's, who've suffered economically with thousands being laid off. And air pollution has caused all kinds of house, health issues, chronic diseases, allergies, heart and lung disease, Lyme disease, and not to mention severe injuries from weather, uh, uh, severe weather um, and, and death caused by that. And, and again, the people that are most affected are the vulnerable, children, the poor, the elderly, and, and people of color. Um, Lisa uh, Harper talks about a study that was done by the United Church of, of Christ uh, entitled Toxic Waste and Race. And they found that the most significant factor in determining where a toxic waste facility was to be located in the U.S. was the race. Three out of five African Americans live in a community with a hazardous waste facility, way out of proportion with the rest of the population. And of course, you have the health impacts of that with increased incidences of cancer, liver failure, and slowed uh, growth and development. And we've seen this in our own country with indigenous communities or in proximity to, to hazardous waste and the, re the result of disease. And of course, the water uh, issue is just such a heartbreaking issue across our country. 
So with regards to waste, we have this kind of out of sight, out of mind approach. We use the phrase, I'm going to throw that out or throw that away. And the fact of the matter is we have little fat, little knowledge or awareness that there is no away. It has to go somewhere. And we can learn from the natural ecosystems on our earth. For example, plants synthesize nutrients, which uh, uh, become nutrients for herbivores, which become then food for carnivores and animals who produce waste and with their decomposition gives rise to a new generation of plants. So you see this cycle in, in nature and in creation. And the problem with our human consumer industrial complex is that we have no such circular model. We consume with an unlimited paradigm of growth and consumption as if there is no, no never running out with no idea of sustainability. And then we throw out, we discard. And this includes all the plastic that's ending up in our oceans. And one of the greatest sources of, of junk is, is renovations of houses and demolition of buildings. Recently, a school next door to us here was demolished and rebuilt for seismic reasons, the Lord Nelson here. But I've been walking by the wreckage every morning and, and it's, it's just phenomenal. Like there's just mountains of debris, cement, uh, rubble, uh, rebar, wire, uh, metal, wood. And, and every day for weeks on end, these big cats are coming in and, and, and uh, disposing of it in dump trucks and they're taking it away. And it just, I don't know if I'm imagining things, but it seems to be growing and not shrinking. And it so disturbed me one day that I phoned the city and they helped me out and they said that actually what happens is they do sort through that and they acknowledge that concrete cannot be recycled and that has to go to the landfill but many many of the products are sorted through they don't just take it and dump it they're actually being very thoughtful and a lot of the metal and the wood and different things are being recycled but it's still uh, overwhelming to see the amount of waste from that one project alone although i'm grateful for a seismically safe school that's been built in its place. But probably most concerning of all is that our, in our shared home is, is, is climate change. Climate is one of our common goods that we share uh, in this common home that we have. And the last five years, according to NASA, they have a Goddard Institute for Space Studies, have, sh have collectively shown as the warmest five years since we began to record the, the mean average temperatures on the Earth. And of course, there's exceptions and weather extremes, and we're heading into a cold front in the next couple of days. Those things happen, but we're talking about the overall average increase of temperature in the world. And these last five years since 2015 have been the warmest years on record. And the result is, as we know, the melting of the polar ice caps, uh, which is causing rising of sea levels, which is putting at risk a quarter of the Earth's population that live on coastlands, many of whom are the poor, again. It causes the acidification of oceans, which is uh, jeopardizing our beautiful coral reefs and, and the eco-diversity of these coral reefs and, and the loss of so much of that. And uh, increasing weather, uh, severe weather patterns, storms, heat waves, water shortages, droughts affecting uh, food production, 
The pine beetle in our own province is the result of warming where normally the winter temperatures would have killed them off in the, in the winter season. And the devastating forest fires that we've seen here in our own province. And uh, the, the poorest of the earth are again impacted by this because fishing, agriculture, and forestry are often how they live. And so there's a growing call for the weird nations us Westerners, educated, industrialized, rich, developed nations to change our lifestyle and production and our consumption patterns to mitigate the human causes to climate change. Now, there are other factors to climate change. We know that solar cycles, the tilt of the Earth's orbit and axis, uh, they're, they're, they're volcanic activity can affect uh, the climate. But over the last 50 years, a growing number of studies is showing that the human-caused activity is the main reason for it. And the question is how? Well, our atmosphere, that is the very air that we breathe, can, consists of about 74% uh, nitrogen, 21% oxygen, and then there's a small tiny percent, about 1%, that uh, 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 consists of... Um, carbon dioxide, methane, nitrous oxide, uh, and uh, these are, are uh, chlorofluorocarbons that, that they summarize these, CFCs, and they, they form a little greenhouse effect over the earth that actually is good because it protects the earth from getting too cold. It traps the sun's rays to a modest degree, So, and if they, they didn't exist, these, these gases would, uh, if they didn't exist as a, as a greenhouse for our planet, uh, it would be too cold to, to sustain life. And so um, the, uh, the problem is in the last, uh, since the 1950s, our main source of energy uh, to heat our houses, to run our cars, our, our ships, our planes, our trucks and, tr and trains has been what's called uh, fossil fuels. These are fuels like petroleum, like coal, like natural gas, and they emit these carbon uh, products that, that, uh, and these greenhouse gases to an unnatural degree. And as a result, the greenhouse effect has been increased greatly causing this warmer. Now there are, we know some climate skeptics, but they are a minority. Naomi Orskis, a Harvard professor, analyzed 923 articles peer-reviewed in scientific journals from 1993 to 2003, and not one disputed the human causes for climate change, especially since the 1950s. And often those that do detract uh, are people who are made wealthy by fossil fuel companies and transport industries. Uh, now, regardless of where you stand on this, I think we can all agree that the kingdom of God invites us to, uh, to reducing our consumption, to living with environmental stewardship and caring for the, the poor of the earth as an act of justice. And there are beautiful initiatives that are going on. Uh, there's a general recognition around the world that we need to be moving, and this is even among the energy companies, that we need to move to renewable energy alternative forms of clean energy, solar and, and wind. And there's a general recognition even here in the city. Uh, there's a, we just saw a commitment to move away from gasoline-powered cars by 2030. Uh, 
Um, Germany has created 400,000 jobs in the last 10 years by renewable energy uh, in investing. And the city of Freiburg, you remember Robin? And Robin, you may be watching today. God bless you if you are. Uh, Freiburg, Germany uh, is the cleanest city in the world. They almost operate completely on clean energy, on uh, public transport, uh, on solar, on wind. So it can be done. So the question is, on a Sunday morning, 23rd Sunday after Pentecost, what do I do with all this information? How shall I then live? And I, I want to give you about three, three points moving forward. Number one, we must hold on to our hope with regards to creation and the ecology of justice. Do not lose hope or give in to cynicism or despair or stoicism. Stoicism is kind of this, you know, Buddha smile, everything's fine, I'll just ignore all the problems and deny reality. Cynicism or stoicism are both two, two ditches we want to avoid. We want to engage with hope and recognize the words from Paul and Romans said this, for the creation, this is amazing, for the creation waits in eager expectation and in hope for the revealing of the sons and the daughters of God. So that the creation itself is in the hope that it will be liberated from its bondage and decay. So in other words, when we announce the reign of God, we must not forget that the scripture is not only full of promises of restoration of people and healing. The very scriptures in the Old Testament that promised Jesus and promised his ministry of opening blinded eyes and, and, and uh, raising the dead and healing the lame promise that the desert will blossom as a rose. It promises that it will blossom as a garden, that the lion will lie down with the lamb. It promises environmental restoration. And so we have hope that history is on our side. And when we say the moral arc of the universe is long and it's bending towards justice, that includes the earth and creation, that history is on our side. Secondly, I want to invite us to pray. And when we say, Lord, may your kingdom come and when you, your, may your will be done, we're talking about moving beyond our own humanistic attempts to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and fix this. And to recognize that this is God's story, that we are partners with God in the restoration of all creation. And we're not on our own in this. So when we pray the Lord's Prayer, invite that into all of creation. The earth is incredibly resilient. When the people of God become the people of God and, and truth can win out. So as part of our prayer, pray for leaders, civic, provincial, national, international, to have wisdom and to work with scientists and research. And, that, and there will be just and fair policies where the truth wins out, where the truth wins out. And thirdly and finally, embrace your identity as a child of God, as one of those sons and daughters of God, as a steward of creation that all of creation is longing for. Um, and, and, re, and renounce your identity as a consumer. You are not a consumer. You are in the image of God. You're an image bearer. And you are uh, a steward. You're God's representative. I, I was going to show you a little app on my phone 
but I'm using my phone to film this. So there's a little app on my phone from the city of Vancouver. And anytime I'm not sure what to do with something that I want to dispose of, I just tap on that app. And the other day I had some light bulbs and I thought, you know what, I, I'm not sure because there's nothing in the regular compost or recycling program of the city that, that has something for light bulbs. So I tapped it into my app and London Drugs came up. And so I took all of the light bulbs that I had and I put them in the very boxes that I bought them in, took them to London Drugs, and London Drugs recycles the light bulbs. There's all kinds of electronic things that I don't know what to do with. And there's a little place over here called Powell Street Recycling Depot. And they take every kind of electronic, they even take CDs. Another great recycling place is the North Shore Transfer Station right next to the landfill site. There's all kinds of recycling options in their recycling depot, even books, paper, cardboard, metal, electronics. I've taken CDs that, you know, there's nothing that I have anymore that can play them, so why keep them? And they take them. So there, there's so many beautiful initiatives that are going on where we can, we can begin to be better stewards and not just throw away. And I know that we're still in a place where we're in this in-between time and sometimes just there's no option but to dispose of something. But, but we're growing in our understanding. And Tay and I, a few months ago before COVID, were meeting regularly with Chloe Pentelti and she had as a high school project to work on the greening of our building. And you've probably seen some of the initiatives. Uh, it's been a long time since we met, but new bins and, and uh, for, for compost and for recycling. And, and, and we want to make our building uh, so green and, and, and uh, friendly to our environment. And one dream I have is that we actually uh, replace the energy system with solar panels. You know, there used to be solar panels on that roof. Why not? Why can't we dream and uh, realize we're not doing this alone? We're doing this with God. So last but not least, we're also talking about intergenerational justice here. As we read today in our psalm, our opening psalm was from Psalm 78, that says we as a generation are responsible to pass the story, to pass our story uh, to the next generation. But how can we pass our story to the next generation if we don't give the next generation a home to live in? And to each generation, the earth has been given to them as a gift on loan. And when they are done, they are to pass it on to the next generation in better condition than when they found it. So climate change and pollution, these are issues of intergenerational justice. Future generations, my children, my grandchildren, and their children, they have a right to inherit a beautiful and fertile world, this beautiful world that I enjoy, that I enjoyed this morning as I walked through and saw the colors of fall and the blue sky and the fresh air. I want my children, my grandchildren, and their children, I want them to inherit this beautiful thing. And I think that's the cry of Greta Thunberg. It's the cry of a generation that says, what kind of world are you leaving for us? So uh, the question I ask you is, are you willing to be implicated? I've read this, I'm reading this book on vocation, a beautiful book given to me by Marcus. And uh, the, uh, uh, the, the text of it is, 
is that vocation is, is the willingness to step into this world, this place. And, and one of the reasons we don't take care of, of our environment is we don't have a sense of place anywhere. We're so rootless and we're, we're moving around. And Wendell Berry's prophetic passion, uh, this, this poet in the United States, talks about how that when we restore a sense of place, then we take responsibility for it and we're implicated and we can rise up with the presence of God as children and sons and daughters of God and take responsibility. So I want to encourage you with that today. And I'm going a bit longer today. It's been three weeks. <laughs> so I'll, I'm just about ready to wrap this up. But I, I want to tell you one encouraging story about a guy, a, a, an unknown geophysicist from Britain named Joe Farman, one of our environmental heroes. And he was responsible uh, under the British uh uh, Antarctica survey to uh, monitor readings of the ozone layer back in the early 80s. And a couple of scientists from the United States had sounded the alarm about CFCs, uh, these chlorofluorocarbons that I mentioned earlier, uh, causing damage to the ozone layer. And uh, so Joe began to notice, uh, he'd, he'd been taking readings for years in, in Antarctica and he noticed this incredible spike uh, in the early 80s of the um, uh, reducing of the ozone layer and the readings. And so he began, uh, he, he thought his, there was something wrong with his equipment. So he uh, got a new uh, piece of equipment to monitor the readings and began to read. And he found out that the they again tested in, to an alarming rate and that the ozone layer had been reduced by 40% in nine years. And there was a hole the size of Antarctica, or, or, or the United States rather, over Antarctica. The whole continental United States, there was a, a hole that size over Antarctica. So it raised the alarm, but there was a lot of resistance by companies, of course, money interests, to, uh, to deny, to slam the science, to, to, uh, to reject. But it, it, sounded the alarm with the Environmental Protection Agency of the United States, and it ended up in the Montreal Protocol of 1987, where 24 countries signed just a commitment to reduce uh, these chemicals that were being used in aerosol products, they were being used in refrigeration, and 200 more countries signed on in the next few years. And as a result, they found that that whole uh, that was growing, stopped growing in the late 90s, and it's now begun to repair. And I just found that so moving, that when the sons and daughters of God, when, when human beings created in the image of God, are willing to just be faithful in their vocation, healing, restoration comes, not only for people, but for all our home, our common home that we live in, so that there is justice. There is enough for all. May God bless you as you hear God's invitation to rise up and be implicated and be responsible as a steward, as an image bearer in, the, uh, in this place that God has put you. Thank you and God bless you.